Hello and welcome to Breaking Ground, the podcast spotlighting the business of real estate. I'm your host, Dave Plasco, and with me today is Joe Rubin, a senior advisor in Eisner Amper's real estate group, who has more than 30 years experience in the business. Today, Joe is reading the tea leaves and telling us what he sees in store for the real estate sector. Hi, Joe. Thanks for being with us today. Good morning. Great to be here. So give me a couple of economic indicators that you follow closely that have a big impact on the real estate sector. Well, the first thing we always look for is employment, which drives demand across all the sectors of real estate. And of course, today, unemployment is really very low. Um, And in fact, last week, we added another 273,000 jobs, uh, which was way above expectations. Mm -hmm. So the the employment market looks excellent. Uh, And of course, the other great boost for real estate investing has been historically low interest rates, Mm -hmm. which seem to be getting lower every day these days. And that enables investors to borrow more cheaply, and it boosts up their returns. Okay. Now, what are you seeing with respect to liquidity? There are just enormous amounts of capital out there. Equity capital is abundant. Uh, We see ourselves, though, at the top of real estate market. So when we're at this point in the cycle, uh, returns are razor thin. You really have to pick your spots, and there's not much room for error. And so uh, everybody's a little bit skittish, and there's over $100 of dry powder waiting in the wings. Uh, Debt capital is also abundant. Mm -hmm. Everybody's lending money. It's coming from traditional and non-traditional lenders. Uh, And it's being put to work as investors are very actively refinancing their properties and also doing uh, work on the properties. Uh, The CMBS market is coming back strong last year. Uh, It's doing very well again this year. Uh, Mortgage REITs, real estate funds are all providing capital. Um, and so there's just a lot of uh, a lot of money out there for real estate investing. So now, whether it's tighter trade policies or something exogenous like, let's say, the coronavirus, what could the impact of that be on the on the real estate markets? Real estate is a very cyclical business. I've been through many up and downs over my career. Um, everybody for the last number of years has been trying to guess what will turn this cycle. Uh, and what I've learned is that cycles turn very, very suddenly when sudden, when an investor wakes up in the morning and they suddenly say, oh, the risk environment today is different than it was before. Mm-hmm. And so uh, once that happens, uh, yields aren't adequate and they could and spreads could jump. Now, the coronavirus epidemic, uh, if this continues to expand, as people think, it's possible this will be the event that pushes up risk premiums because no one understands or has experience with this type of risk event. A sudden spread blowout could stop the commercial market dead in its tracks, uh, just like what happened in 2007. Okay. Uh, Regulations are always a big area of conversation. What's the trend there? Where, Where do you see regs going? Tighter, looser? Tell us about those. Well, I think maybe we're at a kind of even track on that now. And in terms of tighter and looser, we just finished a period where there was increasing tightening. We finally have conclusion on high volatility real estate loans, HVCRE loans, as they're called. Uh, The regulators recognized in the last recession that lending on land and construction projects is more risky than lending on fully occupied buildings. uh, And banks should hold more capital to cover those loans. Um, So that's in place now, and I think as a result, 
Uh, hopefully, those rules will help protect banking uh, banks from being caught in the real estate downdraft. Okay. There's also a lot of focus, of course, on rent regulations in response to the affordable housing crisis in this country. Sure. In fact, last year, New York and California imposed significant rent regs. Um, the unintended consequences, however, is that real estate investors in those states have pulled back, and they just don't know what kind of returns they can get. So the regs are not encouraging development, but instead took much needed capital away from the met residential markets. Uh, I'm confident, though, hopefully, mm -hmm. uh, this year, uh, the, the governments will work with industry in developing new regs that will be more focused on promoting development of, of units for affordable and workforce housing. Okay, great. Let's, uh, let's change topics a little bit. Let's talk uh, some demographics. So, you know, are we going to continue to see those in Gen Y flock to urban areas, you know, to live in those mixed-use buildings near entertainment facilities and transit hubs? Or are we going to start to see them, you know, move out to the suburbs and start raising families, you know, the, the traditional model that's been in place for, for decades? So the millennials are 80 million people. It's a really big group. Uh, you can't generalize what they're going to do. But we find that typically they do like urban living and they don't want to be tied down. Mm -hmm. So rental living is actually a perfect solution for them. Uh, what will be interesting to see over the next few years is whether this translates to rental uh, renting houses rather than buying houses. And of course, the other kind of elephant in the room that's out there is student debt, yeah. which now has topped a staggering $1.5 trillion. Uh, it's handicapping a whole generation, and it may prevent them from establishing the credit they need to buy homes. Mm -hmm. So the growing single-family rental industry uh, is waiting for them with open arms. Uh, in the past decade, it's been institutionalized and consolidated, and families can now more easily find high-quality, well-maintained rental homes pretty much anywhere in the country. Yeah, it, it, it seems like a, a group or a demographic that is not as hung up on equity. It's not. Yeah. Um, and they're also not as hung up on being predictable. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> okay. So now, if you combine how more and more people are working remotely, you know, and, and a possible, you throw in a possible economic contraction in the not-too-distant future, do you envision any kind of glut of real estate inventory? And, you know, if so, where will that take us? Well, working remotely obviously mostly impacts demand for office. Um, and it's only one concern in the office sector because over the last decade or two, people have been squeezing workers into smaller yep. and smaller square footage. So the utilization of office has really uh, gone higher. Uh, in the last few years, I was very concerned about this and felt the office market would really get hurt by both technology and utilization. But it's actually doing quite well, frankly, to my surprise, uh, due to continued job creation, as I mentioned earlier, and also the seemingly ex inexhaustible need for space by the tech industry. Mm -hmm. Tech companies are just starved for great talent. And they're finding more space, lots of it, particularly in urban areas where the young people are. Yeah. Uh, so I think the dire predictions of a deteriorating office performance have been a little premature. Okay, good. 
Well, Joe, uh, this has been interesting, and thank you for looking into your crystal ball for us today. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's been fun. And thank you for listening to Breaking Ground as part of the Eisner Amper podcast series. Visit EisnerAmper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next Eisner Amper podcast when we get down to business.